The following is a podcast from Live It, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.liveitmke.org. Dear friends, we have any criers out in the crowd? Go ahead, don't be afraid. Benj, what do you cry about? It's real? It's real. Why do normal people... No, I'm just kidding. Um, why, what makes us cry? When our bodies hurt, right? Um, we got multi-ages here. You, you fall down and, and you hurt yourself. Um, maybe if you're like me, I, I don't know if I cry because I pull a muscle anymore. Um, but... Our bodies hurt and they ache. We're in a car accident. I remember being in a car accident when I was 17 years old. And you cry because your legs are tingling and you're just hoping that they're still intact. Why do we cry? We cry when our feelings are hurt. People say things and they say things that cut to our hearts and, we, and maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe... We cry because we know that we have done something wrong to sever a relationship ourselves. And it makes us sad. We cry. Benj listed a couple of things that makes him cry. Sometimes that father-son interaction, maybe going in both directions, um, whether it's me now hanging out with my father or seeing something that my 12-year-old Elijah does, it makes me cry. The perception is that I'm always smiley, and when I'm not smiley with my children, I'm always stern. But the thing that gets me the most often is probably when you are watching those things of you see people overcoming obstacles. I usually fall for it on ESPN for whatever reason, you got the guy who's injured, and, and the young man from, from Rutgers who was injured playing football and isn't able to, to, they thought would never walk again, and yet they showed his course of recovery. That's the kind of stuff that tends to get me. When we start watching the Olympics in August, we'll see all of these athletes who overcame significant challenges and tests in their lives, and sometimes it makes our eyes moist. I tend to get my crying from my mother, who is very passionate about a lot of things, and she, she cries at the drop of a hat. I lived, I lived away from her for 14 years as an adult, um, and even though there was the anticipation that we would see each other again, every time we left from home to go back to Missouri, or she was, they were wrapping up a, a time spent with us and coming back to, the, to Franklin, she was crying. And I could never understand it. But I think over the course of time, we recognize how valuable every moment is that we share with those people that we love and what it means. Now, the question that I have for you is, have you ever cried over a sin? 
Have you, have you, yeah. I, and I won't ask for a show of hands in this one, even though I got one or two. Have you ever cried over a sin? Something that you knew so blatantly that you had disregarded God's will for our, for our lives that it made you break down and cry. That it wasn't even so much that you hurt somebody else, but that you hurt God. That you hurt his feelings. Those are difficult things maybe to identify, and they are difficult things to share. If we kind of think, oh yeah, well, you know, when I was a kid of 12 years old, there was the boy that we always picked on. And then when I realized the damage that it did, it made me cry. And it's almost like we can separate time and justify certain things. Did you cry today about a sin you committed? Did you cry yesterday about a sin you committed? Or that thing that we said, God, I know what you want me to do and I know what you want me to look at and I know what you want me to say and yet I'm going to go in the completely opposite direction. Now I'm not trying to invoke some emotional response but the law does cut to our hearts. The law helps us to recognize our depravity and our deep need for love and forgiveness and for peace of heart and peace in our mind. Think, if you will, if you were able to come one-on-one with Jesus and were able to speak to him, what would your feelings be? Would you be frightened? Oh, he knows everything that goes on in my mind and in my heart, and he could just kill me right now. Cast me dead if he wanted to. Would we say, oh, Jesus, thank you. I'm, I'm so glad to see you. You're, you know, based on history, you're the most important person that's ever been on the earth. I have been waiting to meet you. Or would we come and bow down to him and cry at his feet? Tonight we hear of a woman who makes a surprise appearance at a meal that Jesus has been prepared. It's interesting. Um, in a short amount of time at the start of Jesus' ministry, he was that traveling minister and he was always willing to take a meal. Shows up at a wedding in Cana, sure, I'll take a meal. Shows up at other places where they are invited in and he's recognized, well, why are you hanging around with the tax collectors and the sinners? Why are you going to that meal? And today he goes to the house of a man named Simon the Pharisee. And the, the thought would be is that this is a man who is well-to-do, eager to impress Jesus. You would think that he would have this um, feeling of anticipation. But the Pharisees had a different way of looking at Jesus. Instead of coming to him and appreciating who he was, the fulfillment of God's promise, they were skeptical, which I can understand. We've been waiting generations and generations for this Messiah to show up, and now all of a sudden he's here, and he's taking away the attention off of us, 
People are putting their trust in him. They're starting to follow him. They're not listening to the rules and the laws that we have established over and above what God had given to Moses at Mount Sinai. And so we come to this meal and we see a woman who can't hold back the tears. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Jesus, you might say, loved everybody. So whether it was a wedding, whether it was an invitation to hang out with the the sinners, whether it was to come to the Pharisee's house, Jesus was willing to have that interaction because he loved all people. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Ah, I have this gift that I want to share. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Taking time, taking money, laying everything out there, and we we don't have a dialogue that's going on. She's a surprise guest. Perhaps nobody knows what to say. It would seem that Simon knows the lifestyle of this woman. Sometimes it's thought to be Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus drove demons out. But we just learned that this is a sinful woman who has a reputation in town. And everybody's taken aback. And if we're thinking about being at the table and reclining, we're not just sitting in a regular chair, feet out in front of us under a table. It was common to be lying down maybe on your side. Feet would be dangling at at your back. And so this woman came to Jesus from behind and bowed down and wet his feet with her tears, wiped it, wiped them with her hair, kissed his feet. I don't know about you, I'm not a foot person, but I'm guessing nobody would have that eager desire for the people who who walk in sandals all the time and who walk in dusty and dirty areas to kiss the feet of this man and then to take the take that perfume for which she had saved up her money and pour it out there as that special offering. This woman knew there was something special about Jesus and she couldn't hold back her affection and she couldn't hold back her tears. It's that recognition of knowing who she was and it's that recognition of knowing who I am by nature as well that causes me to have heartache, that causes me to have that heartburn knowing what I have done to reject my Savior. Say, yes, I know all the wonderful and gracious things you have granted to me, and yet I'm just going to blatantly disregard the first commandment. I'm going to put myself and my preferences and my priority over you, Lord. I'm going to make my, myself my own God by living for me. I'm going to blatantly disregard your name by taking it in vain when I call down curses on somebody else. I'm going to ignore you, Lord, 
and your representatives that you put into my life because I don't always honor my 77-year-old mother and my 75-year-old father because just like when I was 13 and they were in their 40s, I still think I'm smarter all the time. I don't, have, I've never stabbed anybody, I've never shot anyone, and yet I've hated my brother, and therefore I am a murderer. I've never had an extra, extramarital affair on my wife, and yet I've seen things that I know that I should not be looking at. I've lusted in my heart the things that seem so mundane, and yet they come to us. I've stolen? Absolutely. Given people a bad name? Absolutely. Coveted what other people have had? Absolutely. I've been indifferent. I missed one. You probably caught it. I've been indifferent at times to worship my Savior with my life and everything that I do. To come into his house because other things have taken me away from it. Now if you're anxious... If you're nervous because of the things I've said, that's the law doing its job. It's understanding that we are not perfect and that we deserve punishment for the way that we have rejected God and his mercy. And yet, we see mercy in action. Jesus' love for people is then to be reflected in our lives as we love other people. Because the Pharisee, well, he sees what's going on. The Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Oh, those Pharisees. I'm afraid all too often I'm one of those Pharisees too. Well, I'm the pastor guy. And everybody else who is not, well, they must not live that high sanctified life that I do. Ah that I look at those other people who, while they squander what's been given to them, they don't appreciate the gifts that they have. They're always grumbling and complaining. Everybody, look at me. Yeah, look at me. Look at how imperfect. Look at how wretched, how sinful, how much I deserve to be punished, just like everyone else. The Pharisees of Jesus' time, they didn't recognize it. They wanted power and prestige, and they thought keeping all of these little rules somehow got them closer to the God of heaven. And yet instead, they were going the opposite direction because they became more, uh, they became more concerned about their self-worth rather than the worth of the God who had, who had given them all things. So Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, teacher. Not Lord. Tell me, teacher, I invited you and now uh, I wanted to learn from you. Give me something. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and another 50 denarii, day's wage. Talking a year's half worth of money compared to a couple months. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. 
why are you giving me these easy answers? You're giving me the soft toss. Obviously, five, you, you drop off a debt of 500, it's better than 50. I suppose that person. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Even we know and understand what it is to, to have debt. But do we really know what love and compassion is? And that's what Jesus is laying out there. You Pharisee, you think you're self-righteous, you think you got it all going, but there's no love in your heart, there is no mercy, there's no recognition of what God has done for you. You are not new at all. You are still your same old self-absorbed person. You look internally rather than looking out and seeing the mercy of God and then taking that mercy and sharing it with others. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, which would just be a common courtesy if you are a traveler and you are a guest in somebody's house to wash them. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. The humility of this woman. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet of all things. That holy kiss of, and here she is at my feet. You did not put oil on my head, that anointing of a, of a special guest, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Who do we think we are? If we think we are the righteous ones, if we think we have it all figured out, if we put ourselves on a pedestal, well, then you might say there's no reason for a savior. There's no reason for someone else to love me because I love myself aplenty. And if I love myself and I've got everything all lined up perfectly for myself, then uh, all you people who don't know what you're doing I've got no time for you. I've got no mercy for you. Figure it out yourself. Those who have been forgiven little love very little. This woman, no doubt, was sad because of her sins and her reputation, but I would say she is happier over the fact that she knows who her Savior is. She recognizes the one who is able to make all things new in her heart and for her life. He is her motivation that brought that expensive gift. That was, she was willing to humble herself. That she was crying. And we often think of, we're crying because we're sad, but how often don't we cry those tears of joy? Recognizing that we have been forgiven and that we want to share that with other people. Last week, my good friend Andy Fix was here as the, and preached for us. And I don't know if anyone was here or if anybody has had the opportunity to hear him. But um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he might have cried. Andy's a crier. And I think it's because he recognizes the fact that he has been forgiven much. I don't need to get into Andy's life story, but when you, when you come before God's people and you stand here and you realize that you have been given this great and wonderful trust to share with God's people that all things are not lost, that there is hope and that there is peace and that there is joy and that it comes to us through Jesus Christ alone and we get to stand here and tell you 
and then pray that you go out and tell more and more people. It can't help but humble you and draw you to tears at times. And you might think, oh, those aren't genuine tears. No, they're the real deal. Those who come to Jesus, we, we get it. The Holy Spirit that works in our hearts, that brought us to faith through, through baptism and then continues to work in our hearts through the power of his word. Ah, when we go to bed at night, we can, it, it can make you tear up thinking, Lord, thank you for protecting me this day, for providing for my needs. Thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. Thank you for making all things new in my heart and changing where I, where I was destined to go and making sure that I will be with you because the Holy Spirit keeps me in the one true faith and I will see you face to face in the glory of heaven. That is our gift that we have received. But now, friends, I am confident that we know people that are still hurting. There are those who believe that their sins are so great that they could never be forgiven. How could God love me? How could God look at the person who has been so selfish and had an abortion? Or the, or the male, the father who has pushed someone into that? And yet there is comfort and hope that that sin is forgiven. And there are resources to help overcome that sting and that hurt. How could God love me because I am plastered to Playboy and pornography on the internet? That I've ruined lives of others because I've been self-indulgent. And yet there is resources, there's conquerors through Christ.net that helps you along the way. I have urges that are sinful against God's plan and will for my life, and yet we know that even those who struggle with the temptation of homosexuality, that there is love and invitations from Jesus. He hung out with the sinners the tax collectors, the people who thought at that time could never be loved and yet God loved them enough and and called them. It calls us, calls all people out of darkness. You see, we like to pick certain sins out and say, those are the worst. They're the ones who need it the most. No, friends, every sin is equal. And Jesus paid for every sin equally. And Jesus loves every single one of us equally. So you might hurt in your own heart but we have comfort and peace, I pray. And, but you might know others out there who need the comfort of Jesus as their Savior. The law has done its job and cut them to the, cut them to the heart. But now there can be healing. The broken hearts can be mended. And we can move forward living lives of thanksgiving and appreciation. Songs of thankfulness and praise, absolutely. We raise them because of the forgiveness of sins that belongs to us. Jesus said to that woman who was wiping her tears from his feet and pouring perfume on them, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this 
Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It isn't because of what we have done. It's what God has done. God who provides for us. God who sent his one and only son to give his life at the end of his ministry by being nailed to that cross, shedding his blood, paying, making the full payment for our sins, rising triumphantly to give us a crown where all things will be new. And because of that, we can go in peace. You might say it was this woman who was pouring it all out there at that meal. She was pouring out the tears. She was pouring out the perfume. But in reality, it was Jesus who was pouring it all out for her, for all people, and in particular for you and me. Jesus pours it all out. His life, his love, his victory poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And because all things are new, now we can go in peace. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always.